Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. Today, I'm yet again inspired by the stories and the hardship that women have gone through that leads them to change their lives and want to change the lives for other women in similar situations to themselves. And my guest today is definitely a person who fits in that space. She's Anna Gonzalez Herrera. Welcome to the show, Anna. Arisa, thank you so much for having me. Uh, what a lovely introduction. Um, it's an honor. Thank you for having me in your show. It's absolutely my pleasure to have you here, Anna. I mean, your story is one that, um, you know, we're obviously going to delve more deeply into it, but endometriosis, which unfortunately I think you only have to look at social. We were talking earlier about the work I did at the Women's Health Research Institute of Australia to recognize that this, although the official figure is 10%, I think we recognize it's much bigger and you went through a number of surgeries. You obviously a lot of pain, infertility, and then the ultimate surgical menopause, which has its own journey, completely at times different from what a woman going through a, shall we call it, natural menopausal journey goes through. But it has inspired you to launch a wellness brand and another business which is educational, which you're calling Hormone University. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Thank you so, so much. Um, and yes, I, I do think that it, it's fascinating how a, a hardship in life can lead you into creating something to help others. And that's my mission now. That's my mission in life. That's wonderful. Can I maybe begin at the beginning? I mean, you had lived for decades, I would think, with endometriosis. When did it start and how did it unfold to becoming stage four? Yes, I was diagnosed um, with um, cysts, you know, very common, um, back when I was about 20, 23 years old. And I... I already had very painful periods. And so I attributed that pain to the cyst. I had a small surgery at the time. I removed the cyst and life went on. And I think it was just some years later, maybe three, four years later, um, when I had uh, my first diagnosis with endometriosis. So probably around the age of 
26, 27. And I was one of the lucky uh, ones that got the diagnosis straight away. There is an average, unfortunately, and this is a fact of a, a diagnosis of endometriosis taking around seven to 10 years, which is horrifying to me and, and to so many women that go through it. And, and you know, going back to your point of, of 10%, I absolutely agree with you, Carissa. It's definitely more than that. So that's when my journey started. And it was just a nightmare. Um, it was, you know, I often say my, my biggest mistake in life was to be silent about it. I felt embarrassed to talk about it. And I went on in my job and, you know, professionally speaking, of course, trying to do my best. And I, I was doing very well in my career, but I was hiding this. And, and so very painful periods, very heavy periods, uh, excruciating pain. Um, you know, I would, I would have uh, nausea and vomiting and headaches and um, just bending down and um, fainting from the pain. So my survival mode was to just take as many ibuprofen, paracetamol, I could get my hands and that was my, that became my normal. So then I went on to have my first surgery um, to kind of, you know, remove endometriosis. But I still, you know, Clarissa, the thing that I want to tell your listeners who have gone through it is that, you know, we are not told, even I remember back then, we're not told about the consequences of such surgery, laparoscopy in my case. And, it, it, you know, it did have a consequence at that point in time of the health of my ovaries. And that's, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, you've seen that um, in, in the clinic that, that you mentioned earlier. And, and so it had a direct consequence yes, in yes. my fertility. <laughs> Um, so life went on. I was doing very well in my career. I was working in personal care for, for large brands back in the UK. And, and then from one surgery, two years later, approximately, I had to have another surgery and so on and so forth. So it went on mm -hmm. to five surgeries related to endometriosis. And then I had other surgeries with other things that were related to my hormonal health. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it, well, it was a time where I met someone and I wanted to have a family and then I went through IVF and I was told that I had a less than 10% chance to conceive even with IVF. So, um, it was just not possible. And that was that. That was, you know, a very tough uh, psychological period of acceptance that I would not become uh, a mother, which was something that I, I always wanted. Um, fast forward and some years ago, three, four years ago, now, I, uh, I was on the plane 
I was in New York, living in New York. I am living in New York now. So I was on my way back to Spain. Thankfully, happened on my way back. I had been given the, gosh, the U, uh, sorry, IUD to be inserted. Oh, and, yes. uh, yeah. It was a very painful experience, but I thought, okay, if it helps me with my endometriosis, you know, I would take anything, right? I would just, uh, anything that's possible <laughs> yeah. to, to help. Um, but actually six months later, it was just, everything just went, you know, downhill. And um, on that flight, I just, I could not, I could not live. It, it was just so, the pain was impossible to deal with. So I landed in Spain and I went straight to hospital. And that's when the endometriosis basically was all over the place, from fallopian tubes to uterus to everywhere, yeah. including <laughs> the colon. So... Um, yeah. Unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, I then had to go through a six-hour surgery and he had no choice but to open me up and also perform a, a colon resection and remove all my reproductive organs. So um, it's still very hard to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I really appreciate that, Anna, that you have shared that. That is a massive journey, and I'm so sad that you had to go through so much. And it still ended with a full hysterectomy, and as you said, it had spread. And I think sometimes maybe the listeners are not aware, and I didn't know this till I went to a meeting in the Endometriosis Society in Sydney and a very eminent professor, I think he's one of the world's leading endometriosis expert, put up pictures of how the endometriosis had indeed spread from the, the uterus and the whole of our reproductive organs up into other organs, the kidneys, the, the large intestines, the diaphragm. I was really, you know, that was so deeply shocking for me to realize is like all these organs were kind of like glued yeah. together and because clinicians you know tend to operate in silos right as they do they don't mean to that's how they're trained you don't get a holistic support of this you're sort of you were lucky in spain that they managed to do more than one surgery because often you you get the gynecologists doing one bit and then suddenly then there's someone who's working with gastroenterology or maybe a renal expert has to come in. So I, I really appreciate that that point came up. Yes. That's a massive, massive journey. Yes. Yes, indeed. What happened after that? That obviously inspired you to change direction. Absolutely. So what happened after that was recovery phase and I was in a way somehow uh, full of strength to unhappy that I was not going to go through pain anymore. That was already life-changing. Uh, that fear, that anxiety every month. Oh my God, how am I going to feel this month? And you know, when is the pain going to come and, and how is, you know, how heavy is my period going to be? What can I wear? What can I pack if I'm going somewhere? So all of that was gone. And that was already a massive relief. 
But then, of course, you go into surgical menopause, which is a whole other experience. Um, yes. And the, 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 you know, the amount of symptoms and, again, that lack of knowledge. And that was my first thought. I, I was like, I, I have been lucky to have great upbringing, gone to great schools, and I still had no clue about hormonal wellness. Zero. I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> and um, I was like, mm. oh my gosh, if I am a privileged person to have had an education, what about all these women around the world who have not had that privilege? And that's why I decided I have to create something to create education for free so that women can help themselves, can advocate for themselves, can ask questions. Because to me, wellness starts with knowledge. So that's why I started Hormone University from this very own apartment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that, so that is really bringing together knowledge. Yes. Um, and does that cover from, shall we say, puberty to menopause or is it just focused on particular aspects of everything life? because uh, as you say yeah. we can't silo things what I also realized with endometriosis is that you have so many different ramifications from fertility to menopause right so because those were two consequences coming from endometriosis so I wanted to create a platform that covered all aspects of our life, hormonal health. Um, and so when you go to Hormone University, you can see that we have a hormone dictionary and we have um, different topics that, that cover different aspects of hormonal health. And what, what I began to also realize is that hormones do rule our world. You know, they rule, they rule so many <laughs> aspects of our life. And it's not just production. So, um, so that was the, the mission. The mission was educate women to learn about hormonal health so that they can take control of their health. Yes, yeah. And it's interesting that you, a non-clinician, has gone to do this because the resources from the clinical world are are not there in that encompassing way, are they? Exactly, exactly. And I also wanted to provide information that was well-researched, but clear and easy to digest. Because we are normal people, we haven't had training in medicine, right? And I want women to understand what they're reading. And when they go to the doctor, and our newsletter is called The Waiting Room for that reason. Um, and I hope everyone signs up because it's, it's, um, that's the whole purpose of the newsletter is, is go to the doctor and ask the questions that maybe you didn't dare ask him before. And we give you those resources. That's incredibly important because advocacy, and if you, my listeners have heard me over the years, I'm always on about being a patient advocate. Because we are, as you said, seven to 10 years 
And unfortunately, we are gaslit yeah. and told to go away, told it's in our heads. And I'm sure, Anna, that may well have been part of your experience oh, too. Oh, gosh. I mean, look, I can, I always praise my, my doctor, what my doctor that, my OBGYN that actually diagnosed endometriosis. He's, he's actually a family friend. He's based in Spain. He's, he's whole old school. He's the type of doctor that, would sit with you for an hour and explain everything in detail. And he warned me of all that I was going to experience with endometriosis and, and explained everything very well. So I was so fortunate. Now, I'm as I was living in uh, the UK and then I came to live in the US, I have unfortunately experienced something very different. And it breaks my heart for... All those women that don't have access to healthcare, for example, in the US, that don't have free healthcare, it breaks, it totally breaks my heart. So um, it is so important that we just educate ourselves. Absolutely. And I, and I think also as we see healthcare systems are overloaded, there's very little time right. for appointment, you know. <laughs> 10 minutes or whatever it exactly. is when when you eventually get there you've got 10 minutes to try and tell somebody what's going on with you and if you're kind of vague they just look at you and think well I can't mind read and just brush you off or whatever but I love that how does your advocacy look if if a woman was to go to the waiting room what kind of information does it help them to yes. have? We divide the information by subject or particular things. So, for example, for menopause, we're very keen that women take control of their own menopausal journey. So we a lot of information about nutrition, for example, and how to exercise when you're transitioning into menopause. And aspects of life, you know, sexual health as well, um, and what to expect when you are going through menopause and what treatment options do you have. So it, it's, it's very holistic. Um, I am someone that is very keen to let people know about other options that are not just pharmacological options. And there are so many. And, and that's the reason why I then created, of course, my, my brand, which is another story. Yeah. Keenan Wynn from Diversified Fall Protection explains why investments in safety are about more than ROI. I've seen over the course of my career numerous situations where employees take unnecessary risk. Employers sometimes create that expectation that we want employees to be problem solvers. And I think we have to be careful because an employee out on a job site might cut a corner at the expense of their own safety. And so as employers, we have to make it crystal clear that safety is number one because we care about that individual. And while we want them to solve problems, there's certain things that they can't solve and they need help. We have to ensure that we lead out, that we demonstrate that that individual's life is important to us and that we are willing to invest in them and that there's never an excuse to cut corners on safety. Learn more or connect with a local fall protection specialist 
at fallprotect.com slash pod. Yeah. So your other story is your brand is Glow Botanica. Yes. And is and tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So um the the inspiration came as I was going through surgical menopause and I was given HRT as a treatment almost immediately. And um unfortunately I had a major side effect. I, I had a blood clot and my life was basically put at risk. So I had to stop it immediately. It was a very, very scary moment. I was like, oh my God, after all that I went through, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, yeah. God, give me a break, you know? Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I started studying ingredients. And I was, I was working with some students from Columbia University at the time doing research for Hormone University. And I was also um, having a, 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 getting a team of advisors, uh, doctors for Hormone University. And so I started doing a lot of research about ingredients. And it was January 2020 when I made the decision that I wanted to create a line of natural products based on naturopathic principles to help women with symptoms and not age, I often say it's really important that we forget about age because what matters is who you are and what you're going through. And you could be going through surgical menopause at 40 or 30 or even earlier, and you could have early menopause and you could be 55 and have heavy periods. So it's really important that we start you know, kind of like getting rid of that stigma as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So this is the first product that we created. Um, and I'm very, very mm -hmm. proud of it. Because I spent uh, two years working on this with um, a really good team of doctors and biochemists. And um, it, it was a journey. It was very tough. We went through 20 different formulations. And uh, we did a study with women going through premenstrual syndrome and women going through menopause or perimenopause. And I invested in the study from my own pocket. And I did not want to launch something that I could not prove with integrity that worked. So having worked in the personal care industry, I know how things work. So, um, so yeah, uh, the study was outstanding with symptom relief and uh, we've now since done two more studies one with women going through PCOS and another one with yeah. of course women going through endometriosis and we've got incredible customer testimonials it's just it's the strength that that pushes me every day yeah and and that is just I think that's beautiful because and I also love your evidence-based approach, because I think that is really important for the integrative, functional, naturopathic approach to have that so that the pharmacological industry isn't constantly 
pushing it away and saying, oh, that's just, you know, make-believe. But there is actually evidence behind it. And I, I really, really applaud Thank that. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, as a, as a former scientist myself, you know, I'm like, evidence matters, N equals one, and anecdotal is, you know, is eventually going to get itself into a place where, you know, it's open to criticism. But when we try and approach it systematically, I think we start to prove that naturopathic and other other methods can be tremendous in changing the life. But what kind of natural options do you believe are available to treat symptoms from your learning over the last few years? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we have created topical uh, products. Mm. I, I personally struggle taking so many pl- supplements, and I guess I have PTSD from taking ibuprofen and paracetamol, so, oh my goodness. Um, so I... Yeah. Dr. Elizabeth Poyner, who's an outstanding eminence OBGYN oncologist, uh, she's based here in New York. Um, she treats women. Um, she's classically trained, but her treats women from a holistic perspective. And when I sat down with her, she was just like, wow, this is fantastic um, because you are not messing with your gut, right? It goes straight through bloodstream. And, um, and, and, you know, the gut, as you, as you know, I'm sure much, much better than, than I do. It's just a very important uh, factor that we need to consider. That, that's not to say that there are wonderful supplements out there. Um, we just took a different approach um, and we might launch supplements in the future. Uh, you know, we're looking into it, but for us, this topical transdermal approach works extremely well and it also gives you a a, a routine you know kind of spa like at home you know you you massage it and and it smells of one wonderful like lavender um and so the, the key three ingredients wild yam root which contains diostianine um and that that has a, a great effect when when it comes to treatment it's antispasmodic and it, it's great for menopausal symptoms Vitex, also great for uh, yeah. hormonal balance. And then we've got marshmallow root, which is excellent for bloating, which is a major symptom that so many women complain about. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you know, if we are looking in terms of wild jam, I mean, that's often now the source of uh, bioidentical HRT. And Vitex came up in my conversation with uh, Amy Anderson uh, with respect to aromatherapy. So this is a podcast episode that I recorded oh. last night and it's coming out. And she was you know, really big and absolutely behind Vitex because of its progesterone uh, impact. So really interesting that, you know, here are some ingredients that are, are coming through again. Really lovely. And marshmallow root is probably a traditional um, herbal remedy that many of us have maybe seen in other forms. But yes, bloating. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a sign that women with all kinds of gynecological issues have 
whether we're menopausal or whether you have endometriosis right. and, and other conditions. And, and um, an incredible um, benefit that we've seen, we did see it in the studies, I felt it myself, is libido. So we're getting more and more women telling us that our, you know, while yum tummy butter cream is helping them feel that they have more sexual appetite. So that's a wonderful, wonderful result. <laughs> um, yes. So, so yeah, and I remember, you know, as I was trying like the 15 formula, I started seeing, I was like, oh, um, this great. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to other things, uh, and, you know, we have another product, which is... Um, a magnesium lotion. And again, you know, I, I didn't want to just launch a body lotion, right? So for me, it's like there is a major issue with uh, magnesium and um, and so many women and men not do not take enough magnesium. So again, uh, topically, um, it, it's, it's so lovely. And um, there are studies that actually show that is better absorbed through the pores of your skin. So, and it has collagen and evening primrose oil. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful body lotion that, of course, you know, I'm very proud of. Um, and and yeah. look, and I would also say that there are other lifestyle strategies that we can, we can add to this. You know, Anxiety is a, is a major factor for so many of us in our daily lives. And I often say when people ask me, you know, what do you do to kind of have your, your hormones in, in balance? Apart from, of course, the products that we have produced and, and created. But I love breath work as an example. I think more people should be doing breath work. Um, movement dancing, exercise in general, whatever makes you happy. Like don't do something that's not gonna make you happy, you know. And I I love I love dancing and I'm now really into strength training. Um and that's also very important, right? Build that muscle as you're going through menopause, yes, right? Very definitely yeah, so yeah. and then food is medicine. So um from forty years on onwards we have to be careful with alcohol intake. Um, we don't metabolize it as well. And, uh, and sugar and seed oils. I mean, there are just so many things that we can do to, to help balance our hormonal health. Yeah. So, you know, that, and you're so right, of course, you know, uh, strength training really important but you I love that also we have to do what makes us happy we shouldn't be doing things that because someone on social media is saying or someone else is telling it that they do it we have to want to do it because then we'll do it and you're right alcohol and I think that would be very common I think you my listeners are probably will be nodding going yeah I right? can't drink as much as I used to such it a shame you feel well <laughs> certainly doesn't make me feel it's a shame when there's good wine to be drunk, but uh, that's just the way it is. And seed oil's interesting. I know that that came up in a summit that I was involved in recently. 
a very prominent nutritionist talked a lot about seed oils and that was like, well, I don't eat too many of those anyway, but I just thought mm, the rest of them can definitely go out the window and olive oil, avocado, coconut, whatever are so much better to have at this time right, of your life. Right, right. Um, yeah, so and, yeah. and uh, one thing I do personally, which I recommend to to people, is I fast once a year. I do a proper fasting um, once a year, and it has been miraculous to me. It really resets my body, and it's hard. It's very hard, but with the right guidance, um, it can it can totally reset your gut as well which it has helped me um a lot and i feel so much better so yeah it's it, to me it's miraculous and and i do recommend it under the right guidance i go with someone that is an expert yes. on this otherwise i wouldn't do it yeah no i you mean in you fast for a uh just a water fast no it's um so it's fast well, first of all, it's three weeks in total. First week, you eliminate basically alcohol, sugar, caffeine, meat, fish. And then towards the end of that week, it's vegetables and fruit. And then you start a liquid fasting. So it's uh, a juice, plenty of water with lemon and, um, and of course, uh, herbal teas. And then in the evening, it's kind of like just uh, the the... It's literally like the uh, the water coming from uh, boiling vegetables. That's it. So, uh, and that's, uh, I do it for <laughs> yeah. six days and it's, um, it's truly magical. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. But like I said, I go with someone that is an expert um, and has worked for one of the top clinics in the world. So it's a it's a proper uh, program. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, I think having messed about with things when I was a girl and I could read, or you could do these, you know, detoxes. I think you know, going on a true fast is because you lose some energy and you have to be managed and you have to make sure you have enough liquids. But yes, definitely, a gut reset would is good for all of us at least once a year, kind of reset the gut, give the gut good microbiome a chance to come back because we all abuse them. Right. We all find ourselves with coffee and the like because, well, yes. we're human. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Anna, your story is remarkable. It's very courageous. And what's coming out of your pain and your journey is so fantastic. Um, I'm very excited for Hormone University when I hear about it. And obviously your products just sound wonderful. I would love you to share with my listeners where they can get information to connect with Hormone University and where they can get more on your Globotanica Thank range. you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It, for anyone out there who's built a business from scratch, they know they know how hard it is. You know, it's it, it daily, it's very, very hard. Um, so when someone gives us the opportunity to amplify our voice, I'm very, very grateful. So yes, Hormone University, our website is 
common-university.com. And I really hope you subscribe to our newsletter, The Waiting Room, so we can give you as much knowledge as possible and you can advocate for yourselves. And we are also on Instagram at Hormone University, all in one word. And Globotanica is Globotanica in one word, um, dot com. And our Instagram handle is at Get Globotanica. That is beautiful, Anna. And lovely listeners, that will be in the show notes. Uh, so that you can go to the websites, go to Instagram. I'll be following Thank you, you Anna. Thank you, And uh, I hope my listeners are welcome. And I hope my listeners that you will engage in it. I mean, particularly, I think Hormone University just sounds like a fabulous resource that is so badly needed in this world. Anna, thank you for your time uh, and coming on the show and sharing things that I know many people will connect with. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.